Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. Now, I don't want you to think this is a new habit. But there's a scripture on the overhead screen behind me. Yeah, okay. And not all verses will go up here today, but Genesis 3, 1 will be kind of a foundational main text for um, where we're going where we're going to travel today and allow God's word to take residence in our heart in our life. Um, Genesis, the book of beginnings, first couple of chapters, we get a, a glimpse of who God is and how he creates and what he created and a natural order of things and the creation of man, and then God gives him instruction of two trees that, you know, he shouldn't be eaten of in the garden, right? And then uh, he sees that man needs a helper, and he creates woman from man's side. And here is the garden, and it's what we can understand. It's beautiful. It's a place where God lives in perfect harmony. Man lives in perfect harmony with God. They have this relationship. They walk in the cool of the day. And this beautiful interaction between God and his creation and specifically humanity who, you know, we are the apple of his eye. Um, our, his affection falls upon you and I. And so there's this marvelous garden. And then we see here in chapter 1, say this with me, there's a snake in the garden. Uh, I've wondered about that. There's a snake in the garden. God, why, why, why is Satan in this garden? Why does he show up there? How come he's led into the garden? I've had some of those questions. And we find in chapter 3, we find that, that Adam sins. And some of you are like, well, she ate of the apple first. And I'll use the term apple. Maybe in your more contemporary translation, it might say avocado or something, I don't know. Uh, 
Anyhow, Adam eats and he sins against God. Did Eve sin? Yes. But I want you to know that sin comes through the man. It's not that women don't sin, but sin comes through the man. And here is this beautiful garden, and there's order, and there's structure. And then there's this presence of the serpent. And his presence, coupled with the will and decision of Adam to disobey God, now it brings a big disruption to the garden to the relationship between people, Adam, Eve, all of humanity from then on. This huge disruption to what we look as there's this beautiful structure and order and everything in its place and it's, it's all working together so nicely. We, we see this in, in our life all the time. Um, how many of you have ever planted a garden? How many of you have ever planted a garden and never had any weeds? How many of you have ever planted a garden and you just had some plants not make it? The bugs show up. Well, you got to spray and you got to use it, and then you got those group saying, oh no, those are chemicals. Don't use those. We got to have an organic garden. I'm not arguing with that. I'm, I'm not a gardener. I build stuff, throw dirt in it, and then leave the rest to her. So that, that's, that's me. Oh, I help water and things like that. Um, there's this disruption that comes. There's a snake in the garden. You and I don't really like disruption. We don't like things out of order. We don't like chaos. Um, we try to eliminate that from our life. We try to control that. And, and I don't think that's all bad to minimize disruption, right? To minimize chaos. I think that's part of our plan and purpose. But how many of you have been around long enough that you have planned something? Maybe you've planned an evening out. Maybe it was planning a vacation. Maybe it was planning your calendar, and it involves your family, and it involves children. And somehow they don't get the memo, of everything that's planned and everything that's supposed to go on and how they're supposed to act. It's like they didn't get the memo. And now your plan isn't playing out quite like you like it. There's disruption. And you don't like it. And so you lay down the rules. And this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. And and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a provision of direction and vision and leadership that we all have in our life in some area, even without titles. And we come up with, 
you know, this beautiful idea. And then there's a snake in the plan. We didn't put him there, but there's a snake in the garden. You know, you, you got your trip planned, and then a snowstorm comes, and now your plane won't take off. We are supposed to be at the resort in the pool right now. And I'm stuck at O'Hare. Or whatever your plan is. And it gets disrupted. How do you deal with that? You see, I want you to know that our plans, our order, our structure is susceptible. It is vulnerable to not playing out like we wanted or how we planned or we say things like, I didn't see that coming. How well do you deal with disruption? How well do you deal with opposition, something that just puts a kink in your straight road? Your idea that you worked hard for, that you planned, maybe you saved for, you, you worked so hard to come up with this, and, and then chaos happens. The difficulty shows up. It starts to change things. Not in the, in the circumstances that begin to change, it doesn't just change the circumstances, it's that we have this vulnerability of how we deal with this thing that was not planned. This thing that, you know, we, we didn't even see it or we, we hoped for more and now this happened. And, it, and, it's, and it's bigger than family vacations. It's, it's the things that come around the corner in our life. Maybe some things that we didn't tend to, that we didn't resolve. It might have started out organized, do you ever hear the term reorganize? That's because the first attempt at organizing, somehow along the way, little things crept in and now you got this tangled mess. I have had my workbench in the garage clean, mostly empty, organized. And then what happens is, I go and I've got to put some tools back and I get a phone call. Schedule, I, I worked up until I couldn't because I had to leave. And so it gets put on the workbench. And then my wife will be doing something and she's going to put something in the garage because she doesn't want it in the house. But see, she doesn't understand the garage. Just like I don't understand stuff in the house. And she's not sure where it goes. So the garage is the answer. Or we don't have a closet in our house in the right place for this. So you open the door and you put it right there in the garage. And all of a sudden, days roll by, and weeks roll by, and months roll by, and years roll by, and I go, where's my workbench? I know it's under there somewhere. 
Stuff unfolds in this life. And we don't resolve everything, and we don't always take the time and the energy because you don't want to be out there in your unheated garage in this last December when we had a really cold snap there for a while going through stuff and trying to organize it. I'll wait till spring. Spring cleaning, we use. You know, there's disruption to the things in our life. And, and we use physical things like that to get the image, but, you know, things like that happen in the mind and in the soul and the circumstances of life of things that are way more important. Our walk with the Lord. There's a snake in the garden. Let me tell you about the beauty of Jesus. He's referred to as the second Adam. See, the first Adam was in the garden and had right relationship with God. But there was a snake in the garden. And now... Adam sinned. It was his own choice. He sinned, and it brought disruption. And now through him, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this, that it's around about verse 22, it says that through Adam, death comes. But then it says the second Adam, who is Jesus, Through him, we have life. There's forgiveness. We have life. No longer death, but through him, we have life. So Jesus shows up here on earth where the serpent and the snake, or the snake, they've been at work already in humanity. And Jesus shows up where there's disruption, but Jesus doesn't sin. And so through him, he, he brings life to us, redemption to us. When Adam sins, you, you see the garden and Adam sins, I want you to know that that is a, a picture of humanity. I got to tell you this. If it wasn't going to be Adam, it was going to be you. If, if it wasn't going to be Adam, it was going to be me. It wasn't Adam, it was going to be one of his sons. It's, it's the weakness of humanity. We see it in Genesis. We see the creation and who God loves and who God is for and who God communicates with in this, this unfolding beauty and then the weakness of man. Well, the story's set for God to display to humanity how much he loves you, us, humanity. You and I, our tendency is to try to totally crush disruption. Things a mess. We, we just want to crush it, control it, and eliminate it. And I don't think that's entirely bad, but... 
I want you to understand that we miss the point if that is our outlook. We should give effort to live in order and structure, but I want you to hear something. Ever since sin came, there's going to be disruption here in our life and on earth. It's the longing for this perfect order, and I want you to know it's the longing for eternity with God. It's heaven, right? And we want His kingdom to come here on earth. We want His will to be done here on earth. But there's us. I think part of the point of Scripture in the coming and the redeeming of Jesus in our life is that you and I have to learn how to live in this garden while there's the presence of the snake. You can't eliminate the snake. You don't have the power and authority. Jesus does, and that day's coming. <laughs> that, that day's coming. It's coming. We, we read that we know the end of the story. We know how this ends. We, we know his destiny. We know the authority of the Lord. But between now and our eternity, our life here, is Jesus comes and he teaches us how to live in creation with the presence of the snake. We don't make friends with the snake. I mean, part of the problem here is she started, started having conversation with the snake. Watch who you're talking with. You see, we put our effort to what we think is order, and then failure comes when we don't know how to battle with the existence and manifestation of disruption. Jesus came that we would be redeemed, but then we would also have responsibility and where we would choose to exercise faith and obedience and renewed thinking. That we would learn how to live by the power of Christ in us to overcome our natural tendency, which is displayed in Genesis. To empower us to live in this world and know how to deal with disruption Problems, messes, chaos. Christ has come to empower you to learn how to live for him and in his spirit in the, in the presence of the snake in this world. And you and I just keep trying to eliminate disruption now, we should put forth our effort, but understand, disruption's going to come, and we don't like it. And our response to that in our life is a display of our spiritual maturity, our mindset, and is the power that Christ has purchased and given to us demonstrated through how we choose, talk, and live. 
when our plan or our life gets disrupted. God was still in the garden. And he makes a way for us who had no way and our fate was sealed. He gave us life. He redeemed us. Jesus came and taught us how to live when things go awry or things go south or whatever term you want to use. You know, we have to train our children how to deal with disruption in this life and how to lean into God and how to obey His Word. Let's face it, as parents, we want to set up the Garden of Eden for our children in our house in our home. We want to we make it nice. We want to provide for them the best we can. We want to protect them. We, we don't want them to ever have a broken heart. I got to tell you, I knew trouble would come for my children. I knew somewhere along the line some dirty, rotten, sixth-grade boy was going to break my little girl's heart. And mom was going to hate that boy. <laughs> my daughter's going to cry. And it's going to become a big deal in the house. And everybody and all the other little people in the house, they're going to know about it. And they're going to have their opinions about it. We just want our little girl to be okay. That's fake crying, by the way. <laughs> On the back, you might not be able to tell that. I'm glad they got the heart broke. Oh, it was not fun. And it's not like I hoped that they would get hurt. But I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't get an A on every test. I'm glad that a couple of them probably got some F's. Just because it confirmed that they were my children. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't always get included in the cool group. I'm glad that we couldn't buy them every latest fashion and every latest great expensive toy. We did our best. But I'm glad. Because now they can become a student of what's really important to develop and give a chance for a healthy, wholesome soul as they develop as teenagers and young adults and adults and start their own families. 
so that they could learn how to deal with disruption. They could learn how to deal with brokenness in this life and not let them let those things take them out. That they learned how to live and have relationship with God and their parents in the presence of the snake. That they could learn how to pray their way out of something. Learn how to pray somebody else out of something. To learn what to do when you don't know what to do. That is one of the greatest skills that we can teach our children. Is learning what to do when you don't know what to do. Learning how to go get wisdom from God on your own. Trying to live out the display of who God is as parents the best we could, even though we fall short, but that they would understand that there's a love that will always be about you and your best interest. That that human display paralleling God's love for them, us, you and me, in the presence of the snake in the garden that now grows weeds and thorns and entangles us. You see, as parents, if we just try to control disruption, I want you to know that there's a tendency that we will set up a standard that our children will never be able to attain. And even in our parenting and display with them, we can become a, a tyrant. And I don't care if you're in a Christian household or not. Our goal is not to just control and eliminate every disruption and there's no chaos and there's nothing unorganized. And, and I believe that those things are good. I'm not suggesting, well, it's just going to be a mess. We might as well just leave it a mess. Uh, that, that's not right. That's not good. God has order. God has structure. I mean, why did Paul, be in, was he so inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the letters of, of the books of Corinthian? Because there was total disorder in the church. And he wrote about bringing order and structure. That it's good, it's right, it's healthy. However, though the goal might be order, and we like it because it makes us comfortable, we think it's honorable from our perspective, because by the way, what you think is in order and what you think is in order they're not the same. There might be some overlap. But it, it's, it's not quite the same. You've walked into, some of you have adult children, you walk into their home, 
And it's nice, and you like it, and it's good. But you walk out and go, I probably wouldn't have put that there. Right? I wouldn't have put that there. You go to a friend's office. Oh, it's a nice office, yeah. I probably would have changed that and done that different. See? Differences. Our goal is not, I want you to hear this. God came that we would know that there was a perfect order and structure in Him, in His ways, in heaven. But He came to deliver us from the evil one, right? Deliver us from the evil one. But while we were in this life, He came to teach us the power that He can give to us, the responsibility part of being rescued and redeemed, to be able to live in this world in the presence of the snake. Those who are tyrants, they have standards. Well, if everybody would just do this, then I would be okay. And that's what you preach and teach and what you hammer into the people who you oversee. Whether it's at work or it's at home or whether you think you're the boss of, you know, the customer service person at the desk. Some of you wonder why your children are not so close to you. I'm not saying relax and let anything go. We're supposed to lead and protect and you know, all of those things. Train them. But if we didn't train them how to conduct ourselves in the world's mess or our mess or the presence of the snake, I want you to know that we failed them. I wish there was a gentler way to say it. And we will in the church, if we do not disciple and understand this principle, then we, have, would have, we would have failed one another. Jesus came to undo the works of the devil, and he redeemed us. We are saved. But have you noticed since even the point of salvation that this life can be tough, and events can happen, and things can go on, and it's What? It challenges your faith. It tests your faith. James, right? You're familiar with this. This verse is not on the overhead. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of different kinds, many kinds. See, I know that disruption was going to come in my children. And I didn't like it. But I'm glad that it came. Because if I just totally protected them as if I could, who do I think I am? I would have totally stunted them in their faith and development because there is a day where they were going to leave my home. Oh yes, there was a day they were going to leave my home. The difference between the mom and dad a little bit. Mom's going, and I'm going. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad. Oh, don't kid yourself. There's a softness in here, but 
We're still here for him, still to this day. But they had to learn. We had to try to somehow show them and help them. Just like my Father in heaven, my Savior, my Master, my older brother Jesus, still teaching me. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I want my children to last. I want them to finish the race that has been marked for them or set out for them by God himself. I want you to finish the race. I want you to persevere. Uh, Don't throw in the towel. You see, tyrants either reproduce themselves or they produce people who just give up and throw in the towel. And now they have no hope. Oh, to be hopeless, what a terrible state to be in. Hopelessness. No hope. Why try? No effort. And then, because I couldn't meet the standard, I feel like a loser. And then they just go into depression, and that's just who I am the rest of my life. Or they say, I'm going to show them. And now they take everything into their own control. And they think they can just do it on their own. The two ends of the spectrum are off the road. Narrow is the path. Leads to life. You know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. I want you to hear this. You can become mature. You can become complete. I want you to know that you can change. I want you to know that you can live in deliverance. I want you to know that the cyclical thing can be broken. I want you to know that there's a new pattern. I want you to know that there's a future and there's a hope because of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And he will make a way for you and has made a way for you. And yes, it's going to take some responsibility on my part, your part, in our walk with God. He has rescued us. But it comes with responsibility to now build that relationship that was had with God before the disruption came in the garden. That we are in that relationship and we're going to follow Him and we're going to talk with Him and we're going to, we're going to work things out right in the presence of the enemy who's trying to get your attention with deceitful, subtle things. He's probably not going to come with some big blatant thing to you because you're going to go, whoa, that's bad. But he's going to come subtle and sneaky and appearing like he's good. He is not your friend. And his philosophies are not your friend. 
You take a glance at our community, our world. It's a garden. And the serpent is really present. But don't for a moment think that God has abandoned you. You can become mature and complete not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. It's just that you and I have to maybe shift our thinking a little bit for greater understanding that this isn't about totally controlling everything. And then when our plan gets messed up, we don't know how to deal with the disruption. And so we hurt people. We get a bad attitude. We become leaders that are not godly leadership. Jesus came and he showed us how to live by kingdom principles and overcome this world. The second Adam, the one who brings life. You and I need to maybe look at chaos a little differently and how to deal with failure and how to deal with sin and how to deal with disappointment and how to deal with hurt present and past, how to deal with things that could make us anxious and have anxiety. Our staff meeting this last week, after the business part, we got to the real business, <laughs> where I share scripture and I talk with them. And I asked them a question. I said, what, and specifically within ministry, What, is, what causes you to have anxiety? What causes you to have anxiety within your area of ministry and being called to ministry and working in ministry? Doing, working in ministry and what, what causes you anxiety? And I gave them opportunity to share. So we talked about it and we wrapped up with a scripture. I can ask you the same question. What causes you anxiety or the temptation to be anxious or the arrogance to think your plan is the only way? I don't know if you're totally bored or you're just super quiet this morning or if you just can't even say, ouch. You know, or oh, amen, or whatever. Listen, Christ has come to empower, save you, and empower you to live this life as hard as it is. And yes, make effort to eliminate and minimize disruption, but it's going to find its way. And here's the point. Are you empowered? Are you subjected to Him? Do we really love Him so that we obey Him and do things His way right in the presence of the snake? The snake 
cannot stop him. <laughs> the snake cannot stop him. And he's empowered you to be an overcomer. And this isn't just about going to heaven. It's about living in this life in the middle of difficulty, challenge, in the presence of the enemy without being intimidated and giving into your flesh because that is what the snake wants. Even if you don't come to the point of agreeing with him, but you are moved within your flesh to do something, he's got you off the mark. You don't need to be afraid of the enemy of your soul. You can resist him, not in your own strength, but in the responsibility of conducting yourself in an overcoming way of your flesh and him and the world by the power of God's Spirit in your life. I want you to stand with me, please. Listen to this. What was lost in the garden, Jesus, Jesus restored. Wherever disruption has influenced you to be something you shouldn't be, He has made a way for you to be calm and continually become the person that we should become. And it's through this re- restoration of relationship between us and God. Or Romans, uh, there's chapters are all about it that you know, we're at enmity with God and Jesus came and the enmity's gone and we follow Christ and the relationship is restored. Listen, listen to this. This He has restored you from what was lost or whatever was lost in your life. He has rescued you. He will restore the relationship with God. He is bringing you into a relationship with someone, hear this, with someone who really actually loves you. Maybe you've never had that in your life from somebody. So it's kind of a foreign thing. It's a nice idea. But I want you to know, let go of your inhibition and cling to him who's restored you and loves you. Don't carry the guilt anymore. He loves you. In his love, we allow it to come in. His love, it'll change you. You won't look at your past the same. And you'll look at your future different. And you can live in the moment where you have peace, regardless of the snake and the disruptions or the ups and downs or the hardships or the trials or the chaos or whatever it is. In the moment, you have somebody 
who loves you. Can you think of a moment in your time where somebody, when you were in the middle of it, whatever it is that isn't good, can you remember a time where, I don't know, somebody just came and, and the stuff didn't matter? You did. It's you that mattered, not the stuff you did or the stuff you said or where you failed. That's not what mattered. It's that you matter. You're more important than the stuff that went wrong. It's not about the disruption. It's about the person. Thanks for letting me come down here and do that. And by the way, all of that was sincere, not just a sermon illustration. Amen. You see, you're restored to somebody who actually loves you. Changes everything. Some of his teachings are hard, but God is not a tyrant. If he was, none of us would be saved. So I want you to bow your head with me, please, as we're looking at closing this time together. I want you to let love stop being just an idea and let love become something from Him directly to you as an individual. And that it would empower you to deal with disruption in your life differently than how you've looked at it or dealt with it in the past. Oh, that some of us, all of us, all of us, could undo some of the parenting we've done, eh? Or the way we were a supervisor to people. Or how we dealt with our spouse. How we deal with one another in the church. His blood washes away all our sin. So now we have a responsibility at the point of our awareness to be different. To be different than we've been. So I just want to pray for all of us that God would help us do that. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is a ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, 
God is for you, not against you.